Constant Contact's digital marketing platform is just what your small business needs to stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. With an easy-to-use, powerful toolset of email and SMS marketing and social media and events management, you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your growth. Not a marketer? No sweat. With our AI content generator and automated emails and texts, you'll say the right thing at the right time, every time. So get going and growing with Constant Contact today. Try it free at ConstantContact.com. And Walker hammers it. Going back, Sherholtz. Goodbye, baseball. Neil Walker with a walk-off winner in the 10th. And the Pirates win it 1-0. The first career walk-off home run for Neil Walker, the Pittsburgh kid. How good is your opening day? How good is your opening day? Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Tyler. Actually, do we have Tyler? I'm here. <laughs> Tyler, your camera's all messed up. <laughs> there Very it is. fine. But yeah, with me, we got Tyler. Um, not with us is Jim this week. Now, Tyler, as we discussed, since we're not having Jim this week, um, I, I did our due diligence. We went on Craigslist. So we got us ourselves a fill-in. So fill-in with us is uh, Neil. This guy, Neil, joined us today. Uh, so, Neil, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, but no, for real, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Walker, what's up, man? Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me on. Always, always a pleasure. Love watching you guys' show, man. <laughs> don't, you don't have to lie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Neil's like, this is the first time I just saw you guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Donardo impresses again with another great intro. <laughs> that, was, that was impressive, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, honestly, um, really glad to have you on. Let's have some fun today. Um, and I guess a lot to talk about with you. I, I figure let's talk about the show. We'll talk about you a little bit, like your experiences. But we'll definitely chop up and talk some Pirates baseball. Um, and I guess with that said, Tyler, do you want to start to kick this off? Yeah, I actually do have a question for Neil. Um, I saw on the Big Ben podcast he brought beer. We don't have beer here. Where's my <laughs> beer, Neil? Well, there's 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 water in here potentially, but you wouldn't know if there was or wasn't. So, yeah, me too. <laughs> Are we just not as important as Big Ben? <laughs> well, I mean, I did have a glass of wine for dinner, uh, so I guess we'll have to roll that over. But I'm I'm, I'm trying a dryish January now, so um, it's not going all that well. But I'm 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 attempting a little bit. What is that? I've just heard that for like the first time. I feel like a few days ago, this dry, just dry January. Well, why is that a thing? And I mean, I guess, I guess depending on how, how tough your December was, especially around Christmas time, if it was just a, uh, a confluence of Christmas parties and new and Christmas Eve and Christmas day and new year's, 
And you just went, you just basically woke up on January 1st and you were like, oh man, what have I done to myself this last month? That's, I think, how dry January started. But, you know, I don't really subscribe to dry January, but at the same time, it's like, all right, yeah, I was pretty, I ate pretty bad. I drank pretty bad for most of the month of December. It's time to clean it up a little bit, but completely dry January, no, that's not going to happen. But dry-ish January, I'll get behind that. I think I can get to like January 7th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when I'm just bored. Yeah, you get bored. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, Pittsburgh, I mean, we pride ourselves on like being a drinking town. Yeah. What's this dry January? Yeah. And it, you know, when the, when you see the sun one day out of, out of, out of, out of 29 or 30, uh, you know, it can get, it can get difficult at, at times, but you get, you got to have a little willpower sometimes. And, and it's a good test, good mental will test of will and power, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Not relate to us. <laughs> Sorry. Drugs doesn't get it. Dry January will be done. Driest January will be done soon. Don't worry, boys. <laughs> we'll have to have you back on after that. Yeah. We'll have to bring the beer that time. Wet, wet February. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, anyways, yeah. So Neil, um, something I really want to talk to you about. We'll get to the player stuff everyone's talked about here, but um. I mean, obviously, right now you're you're doing stuff with AT and T Sports. I just want to put out here, I was like shocked by that. And I guess I don't know. I guess to put it was, I didn't, I never thought that you're going down that path. Like one day you're on my TV, and I was like, oh look, it's Neil Walker. And I just want to say, like afterwards, it's like, oh wow, that was really good. <laughs> Neil might have a spot here, and then all of a sudden you start showing up on my TV some more, and uh, like it was really, really entertaining and good. So like, what drove you? Like, what was your path to get here? That's, I mean, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, at the end of my career, my, my last year playing was the COVID year with, with the Phillies. And um, I had been in contact with, the, with, with some of the AT&T people my last couple of years, actually dating back to um, my time with, with the Marlins. I met with a couple of guys and they were just like, you know what, if you're done here in a couple of years, what, what might interest you? And, and at the time I was like, nah, I don't, I don't think I'd want to do the, the broadcasting. Um, but I kept an open mind, and, and when I knew that I kind of got the, the year that I retired officially going into the 2021 season, I was like, you know, I, I need a little bit of time off. I need to, I need to get away from the game just a little bit, uh, but why don't we try something at the end of the year? And they were, they were so awesome with me, and they were so gracious and open. And uh, they said, why don't you come on like the last, the last several games of the year? You know, you take the summer uh, and, and – and, and, uh, you know, kind of get away from baseball. And that was great. And by the time September rolled around, I was like, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm open to this. And the first, you know, I had no, I had no background. Obviously, I, I, uh, I feel like I know the game of baseball pretty well, being around it for so long and, and whatnot. But I stepped in that booth and I was like, oh, OK, this is a different, <laughs> this is a different world. And that, that, first, that first six games, call it, I mean, it was just, it, everything was happening so fast. And uh, I felt like I had to say, talk about everything that I saw. And uh, when I look back at some of them, I was like, oh, geez, you can, you can, you can, you can shut up now. Like you can, <laughs> you don't have to talk about everything. And so the next year going into uh, this past year, 2022, 20, last year, um, I had a good idea of, I was like, I think I can do like 30 games. I think that's a good stepping stone into, into the broadcast world. And I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. You know, the, the schedule was nowhere near the baseball schedule. It was, you know, get down there for batting practice, uh, talk to the guys, get some inside stuff on, on the, 
uh, the stories of the, of, of the series or the week or the month or whatever that may be, and then go do some prep work upstairs. And having guys like, you know, um, uh, Brownie, that, 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 that they're so well prepared. I mean, um, these guys are, are – you look at what they have. They, you can't really see – what they have in the in, in the um, in the studio upstairs, but uh, he and Joe Block, yeah, Brownie and Joe Block are so well prepared, and that helped me because I, I I'm watching them I'm watching them at like five o'clock for a seven o'clock game, and I'm like I need to be doing more, and I had literally no basis. Like they were just like you know talk about the game, make sure you know the you know the relievers and 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 the starters repertoire and the opposing teams lineup and all that stuff, and I was like yeah that's that's good and great. But then, as I went a little further, I kind of got into a groove of of what what was was my what were my strengths as far as what I wanted to talk about and highlight a little bit more. And you know, obviously, the offensive side of things and the and the defensive side of things come a little easier for me. And the pitching side, I'm I, you know, is something going in this year that I'm going to work a little bit harder on. And going down into spring training, and I'm going to do almost 50 games this year. Uh, hopefully, I'll continue to improve, but. I've really enjoyed it, and, 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 I, and I'm really looking forward, like I said, to kind of learning more and continue to improve, hopefully. Neil, why do you have to be so annoying and good at everything you do? Like, All-American basically in football, first-round draft pick in baseball, jumps on broadcast, just Denardo's blown away immediately. Why can't you just be bad at something? Well, you know, I'm the, I grew up the youngest of four, and uh, – I was, I'm eight, six, and four years younger than my siblings. And I just got the ever living crap beat out of me from day one. And, uh, my, my survival skills, uh, got pretty sharp from a young age. And I realized that if I wanted to be good at something, uh, I needed to put, put, put a lot of effort into it, but at the same time, you know, getting the crap kicked out of you actually has, it pays its dividends down the road. So I guess that's, that's part of it, but you know, thank you for saying that Tyler, but I, I certainly, <laughs> way but i try hard <laughs> now i want to say because obviously like this wasn't just my viewpoint tyler i mean i was impressed right no, but it was not you know neil and i'm not sure if you're aware i, I know you 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 saw it because you started talking a little bit about yeah. but we have a award show at the end of every year right you won the ns9 fanboy for best it was the uh the best announcer yeah i saw that so is there is there a trophy do i get a trophy or anything well as a matter of fact uh we have the give it to you but i forgot to put that we have actual footage of you accepting it okay um so let me go ahead and put that out here right now all right <laughs> is that bob passing along to me <laughs> so i guess i forgot to edit walkie uh streaking in the background but yeah so <laughs> there, there was there was you accepting the fanboy we've got the mail it to you but uh yeah you'll get that i appreciate that boys <laughs> But yeah, I mean, again, like just sentiments, you know, the shows like obviously, you know, people around Pittsburgh, how have you to be viewed you coming up this year? So, well, yeah. And like I said, I, I you know, I, 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 I feel like I have a, a decent ear to the streets, too. And just just in general with with, um, you know, the heartbeat of the team and, and where they are and, you know, having having played number one when I was, you know, early 2000s, when the ball when PNC Park opened, I was. I was actually supposed to be at that game and I had a baseball game rescheduled. So I wasn't able to go, but like, you know, I'm starting out as a, uh, as, as a fan. I mean, and my guys were Annie Van Slyke and Bonilla, you know, Bonilla was a guy that, that, you know, I, I, when I, when I started to become a switch hitter, that, like he was the guy I watched and 
Van Slyke, every time I, I, I went to a, a, a game at Three Rivers, I couldn't take his eyes off him. And so I, I just feel like I've the, the, my, the full spectrum of my my Pirates life, I guess you would call it, is just like young fan, you know, impressionable time of my baseball life. I always I always wanted to play baseball because my dad played baseball, my brothers played baseball. You know, get to the get to high school and I'm watching these guys in brand new PNC Park. Lucky enough to get drafted by this by, by the Pirates uh, in 2004. Team was struggling from 04 to, to, to 11, we'll call it, and got to the big leagues and was able to settle in. And so I just I, I feel so attached to to what's going on here, even though my piece is so small. But I still get those feelings and those butterflies when I go to the ballpark. Like I'm invested in the night. Like I'm invested in the series. Like, you know, I, I get I see the lineup. I see the guys in there. You know, you're bumping them up in the in the dugout during BP. Like, and that that excites me, especially right now. And, and as I mentioned, you guys before the show, you know, I got I got two young kids. I had we had kids a little bit later um, in my career. So I'm, right now I'm, I'm we're, we're chasing around kids for the most part. But the broadcast thing works great because I can take my kids to school. I can pick them up. I can get down to the ballpark by 3.30. I can get everything in, and then I'm home at a decent hour. And I'm able to talk baseball. And, and you know, as long as I'm not, you know, cussing on air I, I, or saying something ridiculously outlandish, uh, I think I'm going to do all right. <laughs> so the cool thing, I think, for people around my age is seeing yourself, McHenry, Caps, all coming back and being on Kevin Young, being on broadcasts. I, I know my dad got to watch a lot of guys that he watched growing up on broadcasts. So it's kind of come full circle here where people around our age are seeing our group that we watched growing up coming back and being broadcasters. Well, I hope, uh, I hope we're making that generation proud. I mean, we, we, this organization, this proud is a proud franchise. And, you know, regardless of, of, of uh, how things have have turned out, um, you know, outside, especially the, the 13 to 15 seasons, you know, I, I am, I am eternally optimistic every time we're going into a season, even the, if it seems like there's shortcomings in certain spots, you're, you're optimistic that things are going to go well. And, you know, like in, in, on the same note, I'm, I'm excited about what's going on. I, I know a lot of these guys, especially some of these guys that came out of the, from other organizations and, and what they can bring the Rich Hills, the, the Carlos Santana, I don't know hedges, but I know, his pedigree and people have talked about how, how well he'll be able to help the team that not, maybe not so much on a, on the offensive side of things, but on the pitching and defensive side, which is so important. So um, a lot of, a lot of really good things that I'm excited about and, you know, taking that next step. It's, I lived it, you know, I was in the big leagues in 09. We lost hundred, we lost 110. We made a little bit of a step in 11. Then we made a, a bigger step in 12 and all of a sudden going into 13, we're like, Whoa, we got a shot. Like we got some talent here, but it's about coming together. It's about playing as one. It's about everybody pulling in the right direction and staying healthy and giving yourself the chance. So, um, like I said, it's, it's exciting. You, you look at the team and, and you may think that there's some, some holes here and there, but, uh, in my opinion, that's opportunities for guys to take advantage of. And, uh, and when you look in the minor leagues, there's some, there's some, there's some, uh, some, some guys coming up that, that are going to get big opportunities. Why is this guy even good at segues? <laughs> I know. Is that where we're going? I mean, you did it for us right now. <laughs> it's just not fair. Well, fire I'm, I'm not lying. This whole time, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I want to transition here. And you did it for me. And I was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> well, we can talk about any any of these any of these guys you want. Like I said, I, I played I, and I and I made a little bit of list, but I, 
I, I didn't play with Rich Hill, but I played with uh, Vince Velasquez in, in, in Philadelphia. I played with um, uh, I, I crossed paths with like Stevenson and some of these guys. And, um, you know, so I, and obviously Kutch and Harlan Garcia, another guy I played with in Miami. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's exciting to see where uh, the, the talent that's that's here. But the prospect of things moving in the right direction is more exciting to me. Well, I know we can spin this two ways. I'll start with this one here, Tyler, because <laughs> I think both our gears are grinding right now. Um, oh, yeah. But like one of the things I want to know is, again, like you talked about, you come up with the Pirates. It was a bad team, but, right? It was a bad team. You said it yourself. Your words, not mine. Um, <laughs> it was a bad team, but it went through a whole rebuild. Obviously, there was much well. success. It was a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> there was success on the other end of it, right? The three playoff runs and such. But what maybe similarities or what do you see maybe in this team and maybe compare it or contrast it to, you know, what you went through um, in those years? Well, I, I feel like the core is, is getting close to being put in place. And by that, I mean, you know, Andrew, Andrew was up earlier than I was in 2009. I got up at the very end. I didn't really get an opportunity to play until the following late May, mid late May. So Andrew at that point had basically solidified himself as a bona fide major leaguer, which everybody knew that was going to be the case. For me, not so much because I didn't really have a position going into 20, uh, 2010. Um, but when I, when I transitioned and got an opportunity, there wasn't many pieces that were solidified. And I talked a little bit about it last year at the beginning of the season, going through the season. I said, my, my, big, my, my biggest takeaway from last year's Pirates was that by the end of the year, if you look around the diamond and you have three or four cornerstones in place going into the next year, and hopefully five, you're going to have a pretty good chance to add around them in the, the right way. And on our case, with myself and Andrew, and then a couple years later with Garrett Cole and, um, and Marte and Polanco, all of a sudden you got four or five guys that are, they're in the lineup every day. You're, you're in the lineup every single day. Uh, for the most part. And then you look around and you go, okay, Garrett Cole, he's, he's a, he's a, a higher end starter. Uh, we're going to supplement him. We're going to take a shot on uh, uh, Liriano and uh, AJ Burnett. And we're going to bring in Russell Martin to help as a veteran catcher. All of a sudden these little, you're, 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 you have these, these pieces that are stuck and you're taking some of these chess pieces and you're starting to put them in place. And of course, you know, when I was there, we were always platooning pretty much right field and first base. Those were our two spots. Everywhere else in the diamond, you got, you got, you got Clint Barmas that, that handed it off to Jordy Mercer at shortstop. You had Pedro playing a, a pretty good third base at the time. Uh, you got Marte in left, you got Cutch in center, and you got, uh, you got Polanco a little bit later, but you know, Garrett Jones and some of these guys were platooning, uh, and then they were platooning at first, at first base. So you're looking at essentially seven out of the – or six out of the eight guys in the National League lineup at the time with the pitcher, that the, the lineup didn't really change. It may have maneuvered a little bit, but it didn't change. That is so important, in my opinion, in everyday baseball, because if you got two or three spots that you're platooning uh, and you're trying to get young guys at bats, undoubtedly at least one of those platoons is probably not going to work. And if you're, for instance, if, 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 I'm a, if I'm a young guy trying to get set in the big leagues, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm a, a switch hitter or a right-handed hitter, and I have 200 bats in the big leagues, and they, and, and they tell me, 
you're going to face only lefties and you're going to come off the bench off of lefties. Well, you're thinking to yourself, well, this guy can handle lefties, but if he's facing lefties once a week or twice a week uh, for starters and he's getting two, maybe three at bats, and then when the righties come out of the bullpen, he's pulled out of the game for the lefty platoon guy or vice versa. He's not starting for three or four days and then all of a sudden he's getting high leverage left-handers. I can tell you from experience because it happened to me later on in my career. That's hard. <laughs> that is extremely hard. So when I look at let, let's take let's take Rodolfo Castro for example, right? He's one of the rare guys that at least at this point of his career actually handles the bat better right-handed as a switcher than left-handed. That's that is that's significant. But I think that it would be very difficult if for some reason they went into the season with him and G1 Bay as somewhat of a platoon which that may happen, it may not, I don't know. But if they were to say, Castro, you're going to just face lefties, and you're in, 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 in my, this is solely my opinion, and I'm looking and I'm going, this is, this is not, this is going to be very difficult for this guy to stay in tune with the game and stay in rhythm with his at-bats and not getting at-bats for two, three days and then going in there against a tougher lefty and then facing late-inning, eighth, ninth-inning lefties off the bench that's a hard thing to do. So I see some of these things, uh, you know, when I'm looking at some of these guys and some of these, the Sawinskis, the Mitchells, uh, the Connor Joes, the Smith and the Jigba, some of these guys that are going to get opportunities. My biggest thing is like, you know, you have your pieces in place. You have Key Brian in there every day. You got, you got Brian Reynolds in there every day. You got Cush that's mostly going to DH, I would assume, but he's also going to play some right field. The, the, the continuity with some of these young guys, in my opinion, is so important. So my hope this spring training is if, if one of these guys, for instance, like I mentioned, the Castro and Bay situation, if one of these guys takes, takes the bull by the horns in spring training, has a great spring training, playing good defense, I hope, that they'll, I hope that they'll get an opportunity to kind of run with it from day one, at least of a sample size of, of a month, which is, you know, give or take 100 at-bats. Because I, that's, that's how – that's how these young guys get comfortable in the major leagues. That's when you know a lot about these guys. You get to those, those 100 bats in a row. Guys are going to start figuring out. You're going to have to make adjustments on the fly, in-game, in-series. You start to see teams for a second time. Those things cannot be taken lightly as a young player and as guys trying to get solidified in the big leagues. So, uh, you know, a long-winded answer. I hope that by the end of this year, there's really only one or two more spots on the offensive side of things that either are platooned or just need to be tightened up because I don't see it being far off. So to take that a little bit further, just in your case, later in your Pirates career, switch hitter, you'd hit maybe second against a righty. Then you move down to seventh against the lefty. Yep. We've been real big on O'Neal Cruz. Just throw him at lead off every day. Give him as many at bats as you can. I don't care if it's a lefty or a righty. Are you also of the opinion that just leave the guy in one spot in the order? I don't care if it's left or right. Cause that's been something we've been tooting for a while and I know sabermetrics don't love it, but right. we don't tend to care. So that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, you look at the analytics, you go look at the sabermetrics, it, it, it tells you opposite, but I can tell you from experience, my, my big thing when I started the season was uh, in, in my prime with Pittsburgh, I wanted to know for the most part, I was hitting second or fifth. Uh, and at, at certain times I would hit fourth if Andrew was hitting third or whatever, however a lot it would be. But I can tell you hitting in the major leagues, hitting second and hitting fourth or fifth behind your – at the time that your best player was hitting third, it was a lot different. If I was hitting second in front of Andrew, I was getting a lot more fastballs. 
I was being a little more selective. I was going to be more selective in, in, in hitters counts and 2-0 counts and 3-1 counts. I wasn't probably going to let loose as much. Uh, you go in the five hole, you're getting pitched to off the bat a lot tougher. You're not getting many first pitch fastballs. You're not getting many center cut, uh, you know, 2-0, 3-1 fastballs. You're getting pitched to uh, a lot more difficult. So that was always my question to Hurdle, Clint Hurdle or some of these guys. Was like, where do you want me to hit? And you knew it was going to move, but I knew at least in my situation that it was going to be two or five. Now, in, in O'Neill Cruz's standpoint, it, it's very similar. You know, I, I love him at one, two. I, lo- I love him at one, two. If he can get on base and we can see his, uh, and we can see his, his, his discipline, which I thought at the end of the year got better, uh, maybe not necessarily the outcomes, but the professional bat- the bats were way more professional, both, both him and Castro when they came back up in August. I thought it was really good. So I hope that carries over. But it can't be understated enough exactly what you talked about, Tyler, with, with how, how dangerous a guy like that is in the one, one and two hole. If he's able to get on base, call it at a, a 340 or higher clip in the, in the one spot, and he's slugging, and he's able to steal bases, that just wreaks havoc on opposing starting pitchers from pitch one. So I selfishly would love to see him just be in the one-two spot and just stay there. And just let Kutch, let Santana, let wherever you like Key Brian, if you like him, you know, five, six, seven, wherever that may be. I'd love to see these guys, at least from the jump, try to get that identity. Because that was always a conversation you had in spring training was like, what is our identity? And it was like, when I was there, it was like, okay, whoever's hitting one and two, just try to get on base for Andrew. Because the chance of him hitting, getting an extra base hitting, scoring you from first, or them walking you and having – four, five, six score you are, are significant. So you learn to navigate the lineup a little bit better. Jordy Mercer, he hit eighth, arguably, arguably one of the tougher spots to hit in all of baseball is the eighth spot in the NL lineup. He learned how to do it. He didn't love it. He knew that he knew that he probably was getting two or three pitches a night that he was going to, he was going to get the offer at, but he learned to do it and he never complained. And he, he, he was down there and he played good defense. He knew his role. And so, you know, you hope that that's a conversation in a point of emphasis on the offensive side of things is where, where do we where do we see this group? How are we going to score runs? Are we going to do it by walks, uh, walks, getting on base and, and extra base hits? Are we going to grind this thing out? Are we going to be a team that has to get three hits in inning to score a run? I, I, I when I look at this team, I see I see many different pieces, but I hope on from day one that we're what we look at makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Now you bring up how they're going to score runs and such. Now, obviously the Pirates um, were anemic to runs last year. Now this year they've done something, you know, I mean, you can, you can judge this off season. I think it's clear what they're doing. I mean, for one thing, they bring in a lot of veterans, which is something I'm very pleased to see, but I mean, it's definitely been a theme. It's guys that get on base, right? right. I mean, you're talking right. about even the first baseman, you know, like they bring some power, but they get on base. So, I mean, are you seeing like, what are you seeing in this lineup this year? A hundred percent. Everything you said was exactly what I was going to hit on. Number one, the guys that the, the guys they brought in. You, look at Carlos Santana. He's thirty-seven years old. Uh, you know his, his his power has declined a little bit, like like most guys going into their their mid thirties. But the guy gets on base. Connor Joe. I watching him last year. I was like, wait a second. This wasn't this guy in our organization. And then I started digging a little bit. I said, hey this guy can get on base. Like, you know, he, he may, he, he's, 
he's for me he's the Josh Harrison type. He's just a pest. Like he's gonna be on base all the time. He may not you know run as much and be all over the base pads much to him, but he has the ability to to bounce around a little bit in the field. And for me, he's kind of a guy that might be an X factor. We have no idea really what they have in store for him. But when you look at the numbers and you look at these guys that they're 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 uh, aiming at the G, the the, the G-Man Choice and and, and Koch, some of these guys that I mean almost every single guy last year is on base more than you know call it 325 33 that's that can't be be understated so but at the same time like you said there 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 also is an element of this that you, you have you also have to be able to slug you can't you cannot rely number one you can't rely on the three run home run even if you're built that way like you know the New York Yankees of the world and you can't rely on getting three hits an inning to score runs to try to get that you know get that second or third run going into the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, or to clear the bases to score two two runs with the bases loaded with two outs. It that 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 it just that that, it, that just doesn't work. It doesn't work in the major league level. So I like the recipe that they're going with, uh, it, it, but I do hope that you know the some of the some of the things perceive themselves with the slugging numbers, especially. I think they're going to be there for Reynolds. I think they're going to be there for Kutch. These guys have always been bat the ball guys, uh, but you have to you have to have that happy balance between guys getting on base and you know guys slugging. And of course, that's the name of the game. You know, <laughs> OPS is the name of the game, and that hasn't changed in the last couple of years. And so to touch on that, and then to touch on the the veteran side of things, we, we you know we talked about it a little bit, but the thing that strikes me most about the veteran side of things is that these are quality veterans they brought in. Kutch, uh, Santana, you could even throw G, uh, G Man Choi in there. Rich Hill, um, you know, Bridges. you got Brian Reynolds working himself into, into a, uh, a veteran ish type of role. But the thing that stri- the thing that I learned at a young age, especially, was that you learn more from the veteran guys, not necessarily by how good of a player they were. And, you know, Kutch is coming up on 300 hits in 2,000 uh, or 2,000 hits and 300 home runs, which is incredible. It states itself. You learn so much more from these veteran guys in the clubhouse on a daily basis when you lose two straight series in a row and you see Andrew come into the clubhouse and he is not up here. He's not down here. He's right where he normally is. He's joking around. He's, he's upbeat. He's not stressed out that he hasn't that he got he went hitless the last two games and we lost his last six. It's hey, we got to prepare ourselves today. Who we got here? Who's the starter? What's going on? Where am I playing? And the veteran guys they don't get they don't get that deer in the headlights look. And the routine is such a big thing and putting in that work on a daily basis. But seeing how guys go through the the, the successes, but more so the struggles on a daily basis and watching how they respond to that is something, in my opinion, that maybe this organization hasn't quite had over the course of the last few years, at least from a, from the, the, the veteran type of level. Um, and obviously these guys are in here on one-year deals, but I can tell you that Carlos Santana will most likely be able to help O'Neill Cruz in his approach and Rodolfo Castro. And Kutch is going to ha- help be able to help Sawinski and Mitchell and some of these guys with some outfield play and dealing with – hitting with guys in scoring position. That was a big issue last year with the Pirates, right? Well, sometimes when you step in that batter's box, especially as a young guy with runners in scoring position or a game on the line, per se, things things speed up. You watch Kutch approach it at bat in the first inning, the ninth inning, bases loaded, nobody 
like it doesn't change. And you can see the calm, the calm demeanor in his approach. You can see him slowing things down. You can see him getting more specific with what he's trying to do. And that was probably one thing that I saw with this young group that the game sped up a little bit too much on, on them when things got a little tight. And the only way that you can combat that is getting the at-bats and getting the at-bats in those, in those moments and figuring out what worked and figuring out what didn't. And if you're, you're too, if you step in the box and you're like, okay, I got runners on second and third and two outs. Is this guy going to pitch to me? Uh, let me just see if he's going to throw a first pitch fastball right down the middle and he throws a slider off the plate and you swing at it and you're sitting down there 0-1. Well, that's messing with your head as well. So all in all, the, the addition of these veterans, for, and, and obviously I'm speaking more, more along the lines of, of the offensive side, I think you're going to see guys continue to improve with their at-bats, knowing when they're going to be pitched to, knowing when to be aggressive, knowing how to approach situations better than they did call it in 2022. So, Neil, to take this back to your career as a Pirate, in 2012, they did go out there. They got a lot of veterans. You got Rob Rajas, Casey McGee, traded for AJ, go down the line. Didn't work out. 2013, right. kind of the same deal, but more two-year deal type things. Do you see this more similar as a 2012 type of deal or 2013? And also, what's the difference there between 2012 and 2013? Is it just you, Kutch, Pedro all being a year older? Is it Russell Martin just being out of his mind that year and AJ being out of his mind and Frankie being out of his mind. Yeah, I think, I think it was a combination, you know, and I think, I think when guys come in and when veteran guys come in, for instance, Casey McGee came and he was on kind of somewhat of a prove it deal and not that he didn't fully perform, but he probably didn't play as well as, as he had thought. And, you know, we weren't really, we didn't, in our minds, it didn't, we, we didn't, I don't think we felt like we were quite there yet. I, I think that we felt like we were close and I, I feel like we were um, getting to a place where we felt really confident in, in everything across the board from starting pitching to relievers to, uh, you know, offensive guys into our defense. But I think that transition from 12 to 13 is when it just got ratcheted up a little bit and guys were like, okay, I know who I am. I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do to be successful on my end, but I also know how this team is built and I know what I, how I need to approach uh, our group. And our group was very, very united. You know, there was no, any issue that happened going in, call it at the start of 13, not that there was any issues in the past, but like if something, if something arose, it never got to the media. It probably never even got to the coaching staff. It was like, you know, if AJ had a problem with a starting pitcher, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if he was, was he, was he there 13 or 14, AJ? I can't remember. He was there 13. Yeah, he, he was there. left 14, back 15. That's right. And and so everybody was pulling in the same direction. And, and like I mentioned, not that people weren't doing that before, but it was very, very prevalent going into 13. But I do think that, uh, you know, me having a, a year, a couple years under my belt, Andrew turning into a, a top five player in the league every single um, every single year up until that point. The additions of some of the really good veterans, but also guys that were brought in, uh, you know, the Edison Volquez of the world, right? You know, we had so many guys that were either injured for a year or didn't quite play real well for, for a year or two. And they came in and it was almost like a, a revival for them. They, they, you could see them 
the guard drop and then just being like, let's, let's go, let's figure out a way to, to play winning baseball. And it just all came together. And I don't see, I don't see a big difference when I, when I see, when I'm down there and I'm talking to these guys, I do think that there is, is uh, a sense of urgency with some of the, uh, some of the players that, that have an opportunity to take a stranglehold of an opportunity of a, of a major league job. And that's going to be everywhere. But I feel like these guys, like he, Brian, I, I feel like he has kind of gone through the mud, uh, particularly last year, and I think he's going to be better for it. I think you're going to see a version of him that's really, really good. Obviously, we know that uh, a 75% him being good 75% on defense is better than 95% of the league. But he is such, a, he is such a, an interesting piece to this team for me. Because I think he can, I think he's going to be able to to learn a lot from Andrew uh, on how to take the reins as a leader. But I also think this is an important year for him to figure out where 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 do you fit in this lineup? Like your your bat to ball skills are fantastic. You're you're hitting with two strikes, hitting the ball the other way, runners in scoring position. It's so good. I see him in in that two, you know, that two six seven spot, but. I, I would love to see it from the jump. I would love to see him take this next step, and of course, stay healthy. That's always that's been something that's kind of hampered him. Uh, but you know, I see a lot of similarities, and in, 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 as I mentioned, I'm I'm hopeful. And you, you look at the starting pitching staff; it's it's really exciting, especially what you saw down the stretch at the end of the year last year. Uh, you know, Rich Hill. If you can count on him for 25 to to, to, to 32 starts, I think that's I think that's an exciting figure and. You know, who knows what the ceiling is for guys like Ruanzi and Ortiz and some of these guys. So it's exciting to see getting down to spring training because I think you feel that buzz. You feel that 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 uh, confidence level starting to rise at the end of the year. And I think that this team has gotten has tightened the screws a little bit. And I think that it's going to be fun to, to, to navigate and watch this spring training. I think that McCutcheon-Hayes thing's real interesting. Sorry, Donardo. Because from what I remember early in McCutcheon's career, he did love to go the other way a lot. And then all of a sudden that power unlocked with him and he was able to pull the baseball. So that's something I haven't really thought about. And it's interesting. It's interesting because um, coming up, coming up, uh, we'll call it when we get to, when you get to double A as a, as a, as a right-hand hitter, especially, well, the ballpark in Altoona is not, is built specifically for right-handers. So you're you're aiming at a at a short porch in left field, and a deep spot in right center field. You get to uh, you get to to out to, you get to Indianapolis. The ballpark is essentially set up like PNC Park. So I remember Andrew when Andrew and I were coming up. We both, especially as right-handed hitters, we were both pull right-handed hitters. We were we were using the left center field gap. You know, call it center field to, to left field line more so than anything else, and. All of a sudden, we get to the big leagues, and or, or really AAA for that matter, and Andrew more so than me because he was he's obviously a, a, a full-time right-handed hitter. He would get so upset when he would hit a ball 408, you know, whatever that is, 408 feet to left center field, and the PNC notch, and and it would be an out, and he'd be like, "Man, I I couldn't get that I couldn't get that ball anymore." And there's not anything that probably made the the, the, the right-handed hitters at least at that time more upset than hitting a ball 400, 400 plus feet to left center field and it being an out. And I remember Andrew be, just kind of being like, you know what? 
forget this. I'm not hitting ball left center anymore. I'm using that right center field gap because when you, when late May comes around and the warm, warm air starts to come in, the ball just flies to right center field. And he saw us, right, us lefties. He would get so mad at us lefties that would just like just drop balls over the Clemente wall, which I, I, I made, a, made a living off of. Um, and it, it was amazing to watch him because he worked hard to do that. And that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, he came up as really a pool right-handed hitter. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to take it from left center field to the right field line. And not only is that difficult to do, but it helps you in your approach. And as I mentioned, when you get into two strike approaches, you're getting into, into deep into a bats, that off field gap approach helps you not only stay on off speed, just a tick longer and stay off of it, but it's going to help you make more contact. It's going to help you foul off those fastballs at the top of the zone. You're going to get those jam shots over the middle, the, the second baseman, the middle infielder are big parts of the game. So I see that, I see that same approach with, with Key Brian, and I'm sure they're going to have conversations about it. But that next step for, for me and what Andrew and I learned too, and this is something that uh, Ryan Domit taught me that I actually pass along to, to Josh Bell. He goes, the very first time I got up there, you know, we're all, we were all switch hitters too. He goes, you see that right field wall? And, you know, of course you're getting 70% plus, 70 of your bats left-handed. He goes, you need to learn how to use that wall. And I, and I said, what do you mean, Dewey? And he goes, he goes, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it more as time goes along. And my approach left-handed went from center, right center field to left center field. And he's like, get up on the plate as far as you can and you feel comfortable. Basically swing the gate open, get the bat hound out and try to use that right field wall. And I looked at him and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I'm going to be rolling over ground balls all over the place trying to get to that place. And he's like, trust me, you, you will thank me when it's all said and done. And, and true words couldn't have been spoken. And by the time my, I got later on in my career and Josh Bell was coming up, I said the same thing. And I said, dude, listen, whatever you do, learn to pull the ball in the air left-handed in this ballpark and in this division, Cincinnati, Chicago, Milwaukee, all these good hitting places. St. Louis is a little bit so you learn to, in my opinion, you learn, I learned to pull the ball the right way. If somebody like Key Bryan that uses the, that used the whole field really well now, and people are going, where's, where's this power? Where's this power? It's, it's coming. In my opinion, it's coming. And what I mean by that is he's going to start to get to a place where he's seen, he's seen the same pitchers over and over again. He's seen the St. Louis staff. A lot of times these hitters like Andrew and like Key Bryan that stay inside the ball so much, the book is this, pound him in, pound him in, pound him in, pound him in, try to get him to, to, to back up and then push him away. Andrew dealt with that for his entire career up until this point. He played the Cincinnati Reds. It was undoubtedly Andrew was going to get hit once a game or two or three times a series because they were coming in. That's just the way it was. You guys also hit a lot of their guys. Oh, of course. <laughs> I still got bruises on my butt to prove it. But Andrew learned, Andrew learned when to pick times to – swing the gate open, get the bat head out, and then learn times when to back back it down and use a big part of the field. I think this is where Key Brian is going to go. I think this is where this next step is going to go. Because when I watch him and I sit there and I'm watching certain parts of the game and I'm thinking to myself, all right, he's got a he's got a three-one count here. We got a sinker ball on the mound. This guy's gonna he's gonna try to come in. He's gonna try to get in on his hands. Get the bat head out. Even if you foul a ball off on the barrel down the left field line. Get that bat head out because that's the only way you're going to learn how to pull the ball the right way on the barrel and then eventually in the air. 
So, you know, I know we talked about him quite a bit, and that goes across the board to a lot of these guys. But that was one thing that I really learned was pull the ball, pulling the ball the right way. And, of course, everybody wants to hit the ball in the air, uh, slugging, all this stuff. But in PNC Park in particular, if you're left-handed, you can get away with a lot of stuff by hitting the ball in the air to right field. You make me feel a lot better about Brian Hayes. Thank you. I was going to say, yeah, same thing. Same thing on that. And the other thing of this is like, clearly you enjoy this, you know, and Kutch is back. And like Kutch said something in the presser, very similar. Like he's excited about this team. Like he sees some pieces. He sees some talent. He even said like it's better than what, you know, you guys were when you first came up. Sure. So like Kutch is back. He gets to be that guy. Sounds like you like being that guy. When are you suiting up? <laughs> well, well, um, so I'm 37 and I've had two back surgeries to this point. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but my the my DH mind, is in the NL. <laughs> my mind feels like I could be an asset, and my my body is is like no. But you know, I I, I do like. But as you mentioned, I love this. Like I I love looking at these guys. I love looking at the guys that are here. I love looking at the the prospects and guys that, especially in the double A, triple A, when they get there, because you, you've been there, you've been through the grind, you've been on those crappy bus rides, you've, you've eaten, you know, the, the, the not so great food on, on a nightly basis and uh, to get to the big league. So you've, you've eaten a lot of mud to get to this point. So, you know, I, I always like, even if I, even if I'm no longer playing, you know, if I, if I ever get the opportunity in the clubhouse or in the dugout, uh, you know, uh, to, to just, you know, Tyler Heineman and I talked a lot about switch hitting last year and, 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 and you know, navigating coming to a new organization and some of these things. So um, I, I love I loved being able to, to have those conversations, particularly with, with, with guys that I played with or guys that, you know, I'm still in that, in that, in that window where I played with a lot, of, a lot of guys or against a lot of guys. So I try to embrace that as, with, with my daily routine at the ballpark and, uh, but it's way less stressful up in the booth, I can tell you. <laughs> but but honestly, like the thing about this, I find pretty cool, right? I mean, obviously, just Kutch coming back is just like amazing. I, I think, I mean, you talk to anyone in Pittsburgh right now, any Pirate fan, that that was the offseason. It doesn't matter like what else happened, that that makes the offseason, right? Huge thing. And I think what's kind of cool is like it comes full circle, right? As you're talking about, like you guys had those vets. You guys went through the real rebuild. They helped you out. And now Kutch gets to be that guy, right? He gets to be the guy that helped him out through his career. Um, you in the booth, you know, like, what's it going to be like watching Kutch and like calling these games and him on the field? Like, what's it for you right now? How are you excited in this sense? I, I mean, I'm beyond, I'm beyond excited. Um, uh, I, to reiterate again, I just, I feel incredibly old. Uh, you know, Andrew's only a year younger than me. He's outlasting me. And, and I, and I see him a lot. I see him a lot around the Pittsburgh area. He hits at a place that's close to me. And uh, we talk, we talk quite a bit. Uh, so that's, that's first and foremost, but you know, that I'll, I'll be, I'll be able to, I got so many stories with, with Andrew and, and, you know, 99% of them are, are PG rated. So um, it's going to be fun to, 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 to watch and to know, how he was in the clubhouse and how good he was and how positive he was on a daily basis, but also how hard he worked. He's, he's such a, he's such a routine oriented guy, but he's, he's, he's very much in tune with his, with his body. So, you know, when you think about what could be for him this year, of course, he's had, he's had some knee issues 
to think that he's going to be able to play six to six to call it six to seven days of the week. You hope that that's the case, especially on the on the, the, the DH side. But he's going to need his days off. But when you watch how he takes care of himself and how he prepares himself and how well he knows himself, when things when things get when things have gotten tough for him, whether it's been on the field or whatever the case may be mentally, he's always been able to snap out of it. And I told this story on the radio last week, and it's not really a story, but just Andrew. What, what the one thing that playing with Andrew from the time I was in, uh, you know, a ball that that's that is so difficult in baseball is that he's one of the rare guys that when he got when he would get mad like physically mad like when he got when when Chapman hit him everybody in the dugout was way more afraid of of Kutch than anybody than than Chapman or anybody else because he rarely got out of this zone right here you know he stayed in this box right here this line right here he didn't get up here he didn't get down here and when you saw him get up here, whether it was, you know, we struggled for a little while and he felt like the effort wasn't there, he'd say something. If he, you know, felt like he was getting drilled by Cincinnati too much, he was going to say something. He was going to put his foot down. But he was so good at when he would get mad, he would play better. And a lot of people will tell you in baseball, especially as a hitter, you can't, you can't step into the box angry. Like you can't. Very few guys can do it. If I stepped in the box angry, my mind was all over the place. You know, if I was thinking about hitting a home run, it didn't work. Didn't work for me. Didn't work for most guys. I would see this look on Andrew's face, whether it would be before the game or, you know, maybe something happened. He hit into an inning-ending double play with bases loaded, and, and he was upset about it. And the next at bat, you see this look, and you'd, you'd sit, you know, you'd have a, you'd try to have a conversation with him, and it was just like, oh, get, just get out of his way. Like, he's, 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 he's in his own zone. And he would undoubtedly, like, put the team on his back and – I, I've never been more impressed because I played with guys like that. I played with Judge. Judge was another guy like that. Um, Bryce Harper was another guy like that. But there were very, very few guys that were able to, to get in that realm. DeGrom was another guy like that. And, it, it, you know, pitching side's a little bit different. Um, so that, that mindset, I think, is going to be really refreshing for this group. Um, and when they see how he's navigating the day-to-day grind of baseball – and how he's approaching his routine and his taking care of his body, taking care of his mind, um, all those things across the board, it's it's going to be a huge asset for this organization. This has nothing to do with any of the questions I wanted to ask, but you brought up Chapman. When he took 102 to the shoulder and didn't flinch, were you guys in the dugout like, this dude's yeah. scary? Yeah, and, and, and you know, like, like you mentioned, Tyler, like, it's just those those couple of years were just it was just beanball central and you know there would be times where I'd step in the box and I was like all right I'm getting hit in the quad I'm getting hit in the butt right here as long as it's not the back the, the lower back upper back neck knee ankle I'm good I'll I'll take we, we've been drilling guys I'm gonna take my my step to first that when that happened that kind of took things to the next level <laughs> and, he and didn't flinch flinch no he took it like a I can tell you because I saw the welt after the game that that was one of the worst welts that I've, oh, I've ever seen on a guy. And I'm pretty sure he played the next day and, and probably got two hits too. So he's just, he's, he's on another level. And so, you know, to, to pigeon, uh, you know, to, to reiterate his uh, kind of the umbrella of what I'm seeing for him going in this year, you know, we're going to see him a lot at the DH spot. I think he'll be able to float around uh, right field um, to, to pigeonhole him into, 
only hitting maybe left-handers, which I don't think that's been talked about a lot, but I've heard people, some people say that. I don't, I don't like that sentiment. I think that he's a, he's a guy that can handle both sides. And when he gets hot, you want to ride that wave. And so I don't like the idea of him only facing left-handers uh, as a right fielder or a DH. I think from the jump, he's running out there. If he says he's good to go, then he's in the lineup. And you get, you get a couple months in or something, and, and, and if you have to re- revert, you revert. But in my opinion, you brought him in here to not only help the young guys, but to do a job. He's still capable of doing it, even though he's not, you know, the, the, the 12 to 15, 16 version of him. I don't care. You're going to get professional bats across the board. He's going to be able to hit in the middle of the order and face whoever you want him to face. So kind of a question comment here. But uh, so Scott says, Kutch has always struck me as a lead by example kind of guy. Uh, was he more vocal in the clubhouse? And, you know, do you expect him to be more vocal leader now? He was, he was very much the, the leader by example. And um, I, in, our, in, in, our, in our prime, I, I tended to be a little more vocal um, in, in my role. And, you know, A.J. Burnett and Garrett Cole and, and, and were a little more vocal, especially on the pitching side of things. But that was, that was, what, was, that was what was awesome about Andrew is – he didn't have to say anything, but if he did, everybody listened, and um, and that that was that spoke volumes. And but showing up every day and knowing he was going to be in the lineup, and very rarely there were so many occasions where Skip, uh, you know, Hurdle Skip would be like, "Hey, I, I'm going to give you Sunday off," and he's like, "Are you crazy? Like I'm hot? No, 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 I'm good. Like don't don't worry about it. I'm good." And that that right there would speak volumes to to the rest of the team and we didn't have a ton of young guys on 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 those bulk teams especially when he was playing mvp baseball but we had you know we had marte we had polanco we had some of these guys that i i, I come in with a headache i don't feel so good all right well, listen don't take bp take a couple of go lay down a little bit take some take some bp before the game and, and get out there and grind it's it's not you know it's non-negotiable. Andrew has played forty-five games in a row. You don't think his knees hurting him? You don't think his head his head's hurting him? Of course it's hurting him. So that that type of thing is what's important because sometimes it's easy to get into a, a place in baseball, especially as a young guy, where it's like, oh man, I'm zero for nine. Like let me find let me find a way to get a day off and kind of try to hit the reset button. That that wasn't his mentality. It was. If I'm struggling, my next at bat, my next swing is going to be my best swing, even if it's not, even if it takes another 15 at bats. But that 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 mindset speaks volumes across the board about what being a professional is, but also about becoming a really good major league player is as well. So I want to take something back again from your career. You mentioned yourself being a vocal leader. You were drafted by Dave Littlefield, really came up through Huntington, developed mainly I think through Littlefield, that regime for the most part. There's a lot of guys on this club that have developed through the Neil Huntington regime. And those guys are at the major league level now. Is it difficult in that case, you're a vocal leader, the GM's thinking I'm not, or you're thinking I'm not the GM's guy. Is it difficult to be in that situation? Because I feel like we're getting to that point with the Pirates where there's going to be a lot of guys that aren't Ben Sherrington guys. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, by the time by the time the dust settled when, when Neil came in, I think when Neil came in, I was in I was in double A maybe at the time, maybe 
my second year in AAA, something around those lines. And I, I, inevitably that happens. They bring in, they, they want to bring in their own staff. They want to bring in their own player development. They want to bring in some of their own guys that, that maybe they, uh, you know, have a relationship with and so on and so forth. So by the time we got to the, or at least when, when I was transitioning into the big leagues, I was, especially 2010, where I got up in 2009 and didn't play a whole lot. And then going to 2010, I got asked to play seven different positions, which I was happy to do. I knew, I knew I could hit. I knew I didn't really have a position, but I knew that if I got an opportunity, I would hopefully run with it. Um, but I got to a place that going into, into AAA, which in 2010, I got to AAA at the end of, I think, 2007. So it was basically, I was there all 08, I was there all 09, and I was going back for 2010. And even though I was 23 going on 24 in September at the time, I was, I, that was, was very much on my mind. I, I'm in AAA for the third year, basically the third year in a row. Uh, I've switched positions several times. I've played okay, but I ha just haven't broke through and got my opportunity. I'd be lying to you if I didn't think that I was going to end up somewhere else. And I heard many, many rumblings in 2010 that I was going to end up with the Oakland Athletics and get traded right before Aki Wamora, you know, got hurt, didn't play well for the first month and a half. And they were like, can you play second? And I was like, no, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. And I got, I went to the big leagues and literally stood at second base for four and a half months of, of that 2010 season and just prayed nobody hit the ball to me. Um, <laughs> so that was timing. Uh, but those, those sort of things, they, they don't really, you don't necessarily think about them on a day-to-day -day basis, but you know, they're prevalent, you know, they're there and you know that, you know, High draft picks are coming fast. Henry Davis, he's coming fast. Any Rodriguez, even though it's a different scenario, he's coming fast. Who knows how fast Lamar Johnson will move? You know, who knows how fast some of these burrows and some of these pitchers are going to move? So you're thinking in the back of your head, if you don't have a stranglehold on a big league spot and you've been back and forth for the last year and a half, two years, that if I don't have a place here, I better show something that makes another team pick me up and give me an opportunity. And certainly nobody wants that. And fortunately, I didn't have to deal with that. Uh, and Andrew didn't, and a lot of us, and it worked out. But it's it, it happens. I mean, these these GMs, and, and uh, I, I like Ben. I think he's doing – you can see what he's doing. I think he's doing a really good job. Um, but, you know, he's he, he's he's going to – at the end of the day, he's going to have some of his guys too. So these guys got to – they got to take it. They got to – you know, Swinsky, Mitchell, these guys got to – you know, when they get that opportunity – you know, Smith the Jigba, he gets back up. Pagaro, uh, some of these guys that got a, got a little got a taste to more of a taste. You know, you'd love to see these guys take a stranglehold of a, of a, of a you know, a, a spot, whether it be, okay, Jack, you're only going to face right-handers and play right field. Uh, okay, all right, I know I'm not facing lefties. Let me make sure I'm doing everything I can to be prepared when for bullpen guys, for, for starters, wherever that may be. So, that prospect excites me um, more than anything else. But certainly the, the, the roster crunch is real. And, uh, you know, be careful what not, – not necessarily be careful what you wish for, but we, we, there's a lot of talent between AA and AAA right now, and there's still several spots open to be, to be taken, uh, to, to be taken by, by, uh, by, by the horn. So it will be very interesting. And I think you'll see – I think you'll see before June – uh, it's kind of the dust settle and, and, and how quickly they think guys are prepared because 
I mean, what more does Andy Rodriguez have to prove in the minor leagues? But I, I, I don't damn think. I don't. So you know what I mean. And would you would you rather have Austin Hedges as a as your your secondary guy and a guy that's going to teach? Absolutely. So we'll see how aggressive they're they're going to be. But selfishly, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. You'd love to see. You'd love to see just push, push, push it a little bit. See, just to see what happens. Keep yep. pushing. <laughs> push them all. <laughs> yeah. I ain't got all day. Yeah. <laughs> but and let them get paid almost doing 30 it. years. Let's go. Right. right. <laughs> but, but you make it, you know, so you, you talk and make an interesting point about something. And obviously you can relate to this, right? You know, as you mentioned, you're drafted as a catcher, you're playing third base. Basically, one spring, you're like, hey, you know, play second base. I know you've never done it before, but, you know, just kind of do it. And you basically made a career out of it. So the Pirates right now, I feel, are in a situation, like you said, there's a lot of players, right? I mean, you, we've talked and joked, like every trade, it feels like it, it's a guy's going to be Rule 5 eligible that Charrington's made, right? Like there's going to be 60 guys that are like Rule 5 eligible next year, you know? And, and so like right now, you have a lot of guys that are coming up in talent, right? There's not a whole lot of spots, right? Um, and also, you're finding it. I feel like the pirate way almost is well, you can't just have one position down. Sure. Like you have to know more, right? right? So for someone who's done that, right, and obviously found success, I don't know. Like, tell me, like, your thought. Like, how? What's that? What's that do to you mentally? And how do you prepare? And how do you just go ahead and just do that? You know, because I think also, like, I think one thing too. Talk about. It's not just the new guys coming up. But there's yeah. a lot of middle infielders, right? So, like, the, the Nick Gonzalez's, the Pagueros, yeah. right? Like, they might need to learn a new spot. But in the other sense, it could be time for some superstar potential player like O'Neill Cruz who might have to move off. So, like, him preparing to learn the outfield or whatever position it is. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And, and you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned Cruz, and you, you saw the news, I'm sure, of, of Jazz just uh, Jazz being like, yeah, yeah no problem. Like, you know, in, in up the middle, when you're talking about up the middle, and especially the big league level, and not necessarily second base, you're talking about center field and shortstop. Those are, those are your best athletes, typically. So, you know, you kind of put those guys in their own category as far as athletes. Uh, you know, for me, when I, when I was transitioning, when I, when I was basically at third, and they were like, well, here comes Pedro, you better start hitting – I was like, well, all right, uh, I can play some other positions too. Like, well, basically, you just put yourself in that category of athletes because you played up the middle. Well, I know, but <laughs> but I didn't play short. Short, I didn't ever play short and center. Then second base is kind of like an up the middle ish type of things. But you also caught. That's up the middle. I, I yeah, I did. That's yeah. entity in itself. It's like a hockey goalie. You know, it's a little bit different. Um, but looking back, I I couldn't be more happy that. I did go through that because as, as scary, as scary as it was in 2010, when I had like 10 games under my belt at second base and I got to the big leagues and got an opportunity the next year when it rolled around, not only the previous year did I have experience in left field, right field, uh, first base. I, I back up, I was catching bullpens in spring training, which I, I hated, but I was like, I can still, I can still kind of do this if, if push comes to shove. Um, and I was playing, I, I, I played third base the last several years. So that was an issue. I got a full, I got the full spectrum of it. And I know that in spring training, that's going to be an emphasis, especially the lower level guys, the A ball guys, the double A guys that play the middle infield. And it's funny, not necessarily everybody. If you play third base, you can, you don't automatically know how to play first base because the angles are very, very different. 
Um, and it takes guys longer, longer to, to figure out where they are on the field and, and the scope of where they need to be and, and making that throw to second base. You, you break, in my opinion, you're breaking up the right side of the infield to the left side of the infield. But, you know, if you can play, if you can play short, in my opinion, you can play anywhere on the field, you know, minus probably catcher. Um, you know, but can, can G1 Bay, can he play, can he play third base in a pinch? Can he play short side in a pinch? I don't know. He, he came up playing some shortstop. We saw a little bit of it in shortstop. Can, you know, can Rodolfo, how well can he play shortstop if given more than just a sample size, if O'Neill Cruz has to be pushed to somewhere else? We don't know. Time, time will tell. But I do know that there is a big value on uh, playing all these different positions. And now more than ever, the last five years, really more than ever across the league, you're seeing more guys just being like, well, I'm going to get an outfield glove. I'm going to go take some fly balls in right and left field just because. Just, I mean, I, felt, I, I fell into a spot at Yankee, with the Yankees in 2018 where Judge was hurt, Hicks was hurt, Gardner was playing center field. I was platooning basically at first base, and they were looking around. They're like, shoot, we don't have a right fielder. Uh, can anybody go play right? And I was like, all right, I'll go out there. And I was like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, just stick your heels on the on the warning track. And if the ball's over your head, it's a homer. And if it's in front of you, knock it down and throw it in. And I was like, I don't even have a glove. And, and Nick was like, here, take my glove. And I stood out there, and I got people in right field going, what are you doing out here? You're an infielder. Like, get the heck out of here. So, you know, but looking back, you know, number one, it keeps you in the line. If, if you – at the end of the day, if you if you're going to – if you can hit – they're going to find you a spot unless it's you just glaringly horrendous somewhere. And that's just there. You see very, very few of those guys nowadays, the, the strictly first baseman that can't move. And, you know, uh, Neil, we've seen a lot of bad first place. First base play <laughs> as a Tiger fan. We've seen a lot of it. Why the hell did you not grab a first base glove at some point? <laughs> I, 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 I had one, I had one, but it never got, it, it didn't get broken out until, uh, I got to Milwaukee two years two years later after I left Pittsburgh. But <laughs> we saw a lot of not great play there. Yeah, I, I can. Todd Rodriguez can... saved a lot of the bad play. <laughs> For sure, it's still going on. <laughs> it hasn't gotten much better. It's gotten worse. <laughs> hey, we're getting there this year, though. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 narrowing it down. You know, Santana can play some first. G Man Choi can play a little bit of first. Yeah. They doubled down. They're like, let's get two just to be safe. Yeah, yeah, just just. <laughs> I think we'll be better suited over there. But you, know, you, you, but but you're right. Like I, I, you know, you also think about how the roster construction is, and and if something were to happen to somebody, you know, who who is the next guy up and. Um, not that, not that I think that the, that, uh, the depth is, is not great, but I do think that if there were a couple pieces plucked out for significant periods of time, it would be very interesting to see what the, what the next move would be for the organization. Because, you know, we saw Key Brian go out for, for, you know, dealing with stuff at the end of the year and several guys being thrown over there and some guys did, you know, better than others and, and looked okay, but, you know, anybody in comparison to Key is going to not look good. Um, you know, O'Neal, who's 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 going to play? If, if O'Neal Cruz got hurt in spring training, per se, who's, who's going to play short? We, I, I'm not sure. I guess, I guess Castro? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. So so it's it's interesting to see maybe if there will end up being a, a kind of a, an off-the-wall 
uh, veteran, you know, minor league signing that uh, going right into spring training, you know, an Anderton Simmons type of, of guy that can play multiple infield st- spots, but was, was, was mainly a shortstop because I would, you know, not necessarily him in particular, but you know, the, the, the depth doesn't scare me, but it's definitely been on my mind as I've been diving through some things uh, with the, with the what if questions. I almost feel like that option for them right now is Jira Triola. Like that's I, almost what it feels like is that option. I can see that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. With him being protected in the rule five, it, it seems like they see him as that type of guy. Yeah. And I, I'd be lying if I, if I said, I, I, I'd seen a, a lot of him cause I haven't, but um, I've, I've, I've heard many sentiments about, uh, how high they are uh, w- with him. So that's that's an interesting prospect for sure. So let's talk a little about Castro. I mean, obviously you made your, your money playing second base, right, with the Pirates and such. And Castro seems to be the guy that kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, you know. And, and we've talked about this too. Like the one thing about this Pirates rebuild and such is it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of stars when you guys come out, I mean, first off, again, let's talk Andrew McCutcheon, right? Like everyone knew he was going to be a stud, right? And this year, it seems like Cruz, I should say this year, but this regime, like it seems like Cruz could be, but there's a lot more miss in his game than Kutch. Yeah. Um, but it's like there's a lot of depth in this, right? So I felt like this this time was probably going to need someone who's going to come out out of nowhere, right? Maybe Cash was kind of fitting that bill, you know? It's not like he was like completely out of nowhere, but he came up, made his you know cup of coffee last year. Didn't look too great, but you saw something. I mean, first off, his first five hits were home runs, so you saw something there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you even mentioned that too. Like, it just seemed like things clicked his second time coming up uh, this up this last year. I, I couldn't agree more. And and when you when you mentioned his name, you know, I also thought about I also thought about Sawinski and just uh, you know what what those guys look like uh, when they're going when they're going good and. I don't. We obviously haven't seen the ceiling on Castro. I think his floor is pretty is pretty high from a athletic standpoint. Um, I think the I think the approach will will just get tightened up with over time. Uh, he struggled with off speed from both sides of the plate before coming back up in August, and not necessarily he wasn't necessarily uh, he was just his, his approach was just tighter. He was he was not he was not offering it the one zero sliders out of the zone anymore. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't coming out of his shoes with with you know two out of every three or four swings and in at bat. So for me, that that tightening up in the approach is so interesting because if you can get a guy like that into a place and you can almost I don't, I don't like saying hide him in the lineup, but if you were like all right, Castro is good. Castro and Hedges as it sits right now are going to hit eight nine. We're going to leave him alone. We're going to let them work through the ups and the downs. We're not going to, we're going to try not to put them in, in super high stress situations, hitting in the middle of the order, so on and so forth. This, the, the floor and the ceiling for Castro, at least in comparison to what I'm seeing at second base is, is pretty, is pretty significant. And you watch the actions, you watch the, the bat speed, you watch how he, uh, how he can play the infield, even though at times he gets a little bit out of control. Uh, all those things will be, will be tightened up as the game slows down, but I will be watching very closely in spring training 
with this approach with with his approach because he's not going to be in my opinion he's probably not going to be a guy that that like i said is asked to hit two three four um is his ceiling a, a two-hole hitter hitting behind Cruz? We don't we don't know. Is he better suited seven, eight, nine in the lineup? In my opinion, that's that's his floor hitting hitting eight, nine, and staying down there and having some uh, you know having some success down there, being a gnat in somebody's proverbial butt and hitting having some pop, mixing in a, a, a seventeen to twenty-two home run year. We we don't know. We we just don't know yet. And, and, and kind of uh, reverting to Swinsky, the, the, the talent is there. Like the guy, the, the, when, the guy is, when the guy puts the ball in the barrel, damage happens. His on base is, or his slugging is just through the roof when he's putting the ball in play. That will be tightened up. you got to remember this guy, what, what did he get, 40 at-bats in AAA after he got set down? I mean, that's, that's significant. And AA, AA is arguably a, a tougher place to, to hit than, than, than AAA just – Kind of how it's how it's set up, but you know, we're talking about we're talking about tweaks, and not mechanical. We're talking about mental tweaks. It's, we're talking about when you get into hitting counts, not going out of your zone, staying in certain spots, knowing what you're good at, uh, knowing what damage you're doing, knowing who you're facing, all those things. And once you get through the the division three or four times, which is a couple times uh, every couple years. And now obviously you're only going to see the division opponents twice a year or four times a year, two at home and two on the road. Um, that's when things start to slow down and you start to see how guys are, are pitching me. I mean, I remember when, when I would face Wainwright at the end of my career, I could, I could stand in the batter's box and I could tell you exactly what he was going to throw me. And it was just a matter of if I was going to swing it, the cutter in, or the backdoor breaking ball was going to be a strike or if I was going to swing it with two strikes. That was it. Like he wasn't going to make mistakes. So I had to, I had to, if I got a pitch that was semi in the zone and it was in the inner half, I had to be look, looking to pull it and I had to put the barrel on it. If I knew he was going to throw me back to a breaking balls, I had to hang out over the plate a little bit and try to barrel it through the middle of the field. You don't learn those things when you have eight at bats against the Cardinal staff and Flaherty and, and the Milwaukee. You learn that when you got, 30 plus at bats, 20 plus at bats against specific guys. And so I think that's where you'll see the, the, the Castros uh, build a little bit more confidence in their, in their approach, particularly in the division. And like I said, it'll be interesting this year because we have less games against division opponents. So uh, whether that'll play into team, teams like the Pirates favor, we'll see. Yeah. I've mentioned before, I personally, I'm not as high on Castros a lot. I, I see his ceiling more of a, Odor type of guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even uh, way less disciplined at the plate. Josh Harrison, spark plug type for sure. this team. Obviously very valuable. I don't know if he's the future second baseman, but it is interesting. He's He is kind of in the same role you were. He's a old regime guy. There's right. a lot of dudes right behind him. Right. And they are coming very quickly. Right. So he's this is really the year he's got a limited opportunity to really show something and put a foothold on that second base position. And, and I think, and I think with him, I would, I would assume that in spring training, you're going to see him get a lot of the bats. You're going to see him get a lot of the bats early. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. I think they want to see how he handled the off season, how he handled, I, I, I think he's, I don't know if he's still playing winter ball or, or whatnot, how he's progressed as specifically a second baseman, because that's, 
the need right now for for uh, at the major league level. So there, I I would venture to say that there will be an emphasis on pushing the pushing the the, the green light, and the gas pedal with him, it, more so than than Bay in my in my opinion. I think they got a uh, a fairly decent idea of what at least now looks like. And, and, and of course, you mentioned Nick Gonzalez and some of these guys that could be coming in. You know, who knows? At the end of the year, next year, we don't know. But that's that's a that's a spot that's very interesting to me for sure. Cool. You um, yeah, no, I mean, Tyler, do you have anything else that you really want to talk about, like this current Pirates team right now with Neil? Oh no, I Neil? just want to re- relive my glory days. <laughs> let's let's relive the glory days a little bit. <laughs> But you relive my glory days with that intro, bro. I, I, I got me all excited, you know. <laughs> uh, no, I, I want to talk about a little about you now. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone watched you with the Pirates and such, right? Then you moved on. You played around a little bit. You played, like you said, Milwaukee, the New York teams, right? Miami, Philly. Um, I don't know. Like, tell us a little bit about playing outside of Pittsburgh, especially the Pittsburgh kid. Man, I, I feel so fortunate to have had the experiences I had. Number one, most of the teams that I played for outside of Milwaukee for a short period of time were all on the East Coast. Uh, when I played at home, my, my, my dad and mom were at 70-plus of the 81 home games. They, were, they had it down to a minute when they could leave their house in the North Hills to when they parked. Did they stay the whole game or did they leave before traffic? They, well, it would kind of depend. I mean, if the game was dragging along. If there was no traffic. Wait until my last at bat. Did you stop selling beer? Where are we at here? My dad was buddies with uh, you know with all the ushers and those guys. So there, so that that was really cool. And even when I went to New York, uh, I think the biggest thing that that I took away from my career, from a you know a thirty thousand foot view, was just like I got to play for small markets. I got to play for gigantic markets. I got to play for markets in between. Uh, I got to play in. You know, at one point, I when the wild card started, I played in like uh, I was a part of like four of the first five wild card series. So it was that was so interesting. So you know, the, I got there's nobody that hates the the one game wild card system, which obviously not not anymore than than, than myself. So, um, but the experiences that I that I had just across the board and from playing different positions to, you know, being in an early round pick to with my hometown team to coming up in this organization when things weren't great and then them turning around and how much pride I, I had with that. And then, you know, moving on to New York and being in an entirely different environment with, uh, you know, navigating Manhattan and, and, uh, and, and in the Bronx and, uh, dealing with the media just in general, and then going from there to Miami, which, there, you know, was the complete opposite, and then coming back to Philadelphia. Um, I just feel like the, 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 the depth and the, the spectrum of what I learned and what I got to go through was so awesome and so interesting. And I got to live in Manhattan for a couple of years and, and play for the Mets and the Yankees. And uh, I got to live practically on South Beach and play for the Marlins. Uh, I, outside of the COVID year with the Phillies, like that team was 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 loaded at the time. And, and obviously we up until this year, they, they had kind of struggled to kind of get to that upper echelon. So 
I, I couldn't be more uh, happy with, with my career outside of, you know, winning a World Series and, and, and you know, potentially spending my entire career in Pittsburgh. That would have been that would have been the dream. But, you know, that's just not how baseball operates. You could have just signed a hometown discount, Neil. You're, you're, I mean, you're, you're right in, in, to, to a degree. But. No, Manhattan's way cooler. <laughs> There's no Permani brothers up there. Uh, you can get a couple of those flown in, I guess. Mom <laughs> and dad aren't down the street bringing you dinner? No, they were, you, they were close enough. You right? can't pass out on Carson Street and have mom and dad pick you up? <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I was, you know, that was, that was the, certainly the one thing. Uh, when I came when I came back as a broadcaster, and even just stepping into the stadium, I was like, man. And even when you talk to people, players across the league, there is there is not a place that's that. There's not many. There's a couple places that that match. You know, middle of June, PNC PNC Park, downtown Pittsburgh, the North the North Shore's buzzing. Uh, you know, Saturday night game. You know, from a player's perspective, especially as a road player, like. Guys walk to the walk across the Clemente Museum to come to PNC Park. Like you ask these guys, they're like, "This is awesome." Like the routine is totally different. And when you ask players, a lot of them are like, "I judge the stadium and the city based on the proximity from like the hotel to the ballpark." Because if I can not have to get on a bus at two thirty and sit there and put my headphones on and look at my phone and go to the stadium and do the same routine, like that's awesome. Like if I and staying in downtown Pittsburgh at the Renaissance or one of these hotels, and I can walk across the Clemente Museum Bridge to go to work. Like those things were always awesome to me, and that's why I always loved uh, going to Colorado and San Diego and Seattle. Like some of these places where you can walk down to the, the original Starbucks on your way to the ballpark and have a 25-minute walk to the ballpark, and your your mind space is just in a totally different different place. So I never took. My, my thoughts never changed as far as like, you know, I always thought, well, am I Homer just thinking that PNC Park in Pittsburgh is, is this awesome place to play? And then I left and I went to some other place and I was like, yeah, this, you know, it was special, especially when things were going good. And that ballpark was, you know, 37,000 people on Friday, Saturday and Sunday to watch uh, us compete. Like, you know, I, I got I, I played in New York. I, I got to play at Yankee Stadium. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was incredible playing at Yankee Stadium and, and, and at City Field and when those places were always packed. But there was just something different about a packed stadium on the north side when the weather's nice and you can feel the energy in the ballpark. Uh, you know, those things still strike me more than anything else. Um, all right, go back to being a first-round pick. What are the odds you thought you'd be living with your parents again at one point? Well, to be <laughs> To be fair, I saved a decent amount of money, which I gave all back when I went to New York. Um, I didn't know, you know, when I came up in September of 09, I was like, well, I haven't got a place here in Pittsburgh yet. So I guess I'll just post up at my parents. And then when I when I went into spring training in 2010, I was like, I have a chance to make this team, but I get the feeling they're going to send me down to AAA. And then I got caught up in May. And I was like, I should probably get a place. And then I was like, no, it's in the season. I'm too lazy to deal with that. I'll just stay with mom. <laughs> and then, of course, by the end of that next year, by the end of that year, I was like, all right, enough's enough. Like, it's time to move out. And You're so, like one of the only millionaires still living in the So, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Right. 
So you're in the big leagues. Yeah. And, you know, we're all adults. We're all having a good time. We just played a game. And, you know, we go out, we have drinks, and you're going back to mom and dad's. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you I guys mean, I respect Uber. it. I, I got dad getting the me. hell out of it. <laughs> well, you know, it was – I was in a very, very, you know, interesting spot, as most guys are trying to, like, hopefully solidify themselves in big leagues. So it was like the game would end. I'd take my food home. My old man would be sitting there on the couch with a beer, and he'd, ha- he'd be like, hey, kid, you want one? And I'm like, yeah, you know. Let's talk about the game, you know. It was kind. Of, it was, I had, I had living room. I saw them as like living roommates at the time because they were. I mean, they were awesome. my parents. They, my my dad was never this guy that was like, "Dude, you struck out three times tonight." Like, what the hell, you know? It was more like, "Ah, yeah, you guys did. You know, it was a tough one tonight. Like, you know, hey, have a beer, chill, you know." So I, I always, it, I think that that was probably the biggest thing. It was like if I felt like every time I came home, I was getting grilled by my old man, or my mom was like. You got to do your laundry. What the hell? Like, they made my life easier. So I was like, I'm okay here for a little bit. But then I was like, no, this is, I got, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and then you, I, then you I, move. I and does mom and dad like knock on the door every now and then? Hey, I brought you over dinner. No, but there were, I mean, there were many times where, you know, Sunday after Sunday games, I'd, I'd grab a couple guys and, and my mom would be having my, you know, myself and my siblings over and I'd be like, hey, make sure you make like an extra thing of lasagna for me so I can take home and eat. We got six more games this home thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I won't. I feel like we have an hour long podcast just about this right now, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just thinking too, like myself, my dynamic. I mean, like when you leave home, coming back, like when I go back and visit, you know, I, I stay with my parents too. And it's like after four or five days, I'm just like, man, yeah, I can't wait to get out of here. Like the dynamics change. Yeah. So, <laughs> but also I'm not in the major leagues. <laughs> yeah. When it help, helps that most series are like six days at home, six days on the road, 10 days to max. So like, I never, I never had to do like a full couple weeks at the house and, you know. Yeah. And I imagine too, I mean, you obviously most of your time spent the at the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Neil's like, can I please play in a winter league somewhere? Yeah. I actually did. I played I played in Mexico one year and after 2009. And then uh yeah, after the two that wait, was it 2010 I played in Venezuela? No, 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 2008. After the 2000 uh no, 2007 season I played in Mexico, 2009 I played in Venezuela. And so that was I mean that's another that's another part of my career that's just uh you know, the experience of that is something you can can't really grasp until you go through it being in Venezuela and literally nobody wanting to speak English with you, attempting to speak English with you. You're walking around with bodyguards. The American guys can walk around bodyguards. You're, you know, I kicked the ball. I kicked the ball to lose the game one day down there. And I was at the cafe the next day, getting a coffee and breakfast and the newspaper was there. And there was a big picture of me, but it was all in Spanish. And I, I asked my teammate, I was like, what's that say? And he's like, you know, Poppy, you don't want to know. You don't want to. <laughs> so I, 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 I was, I, I created, I got created, I created some, a tough exterior uh, or t- some tough skin, at least in the baseball world, from uh, from ex- some experiences like that. <laughs> it, it prepared you for New York. Well, yeah, you could arguably say that. I mean, that but... I don't think anything prepares you for New York, especially as a young player. You know, I saw 
like Michael Conforto uh, come up and, and be in and almost be a hero in the World Series in uh, 2015. And then the next year, uh, not to say New York ate him up, but like he struggled early and people were like, eh, what's going on? Like they were they were hammering him, hammering him. He ended up getting set down and, and obviously he bounced back from that. But that I've always said that like one of the toughest things to do at least in the baseball world, I can't speak for other other sports, but I would assume is like solidify yourself as a major league player in New York City. Like the stuff the judge has, has done and some of these guys that have, David Wright and some of these guys that got to the big leagues in New York and stayed there for a long period of time. It's it's crazy because it's it is exhausting. It's exhausting playing in places like New York and in and, and Philadelphia and, and in a good way. You 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 accept it, but it's different. Neil, if it's so exhausting, why'd you have to hit 282 with 23 home runs your first year out of Pittsburgh and make us all pissed off that you got traded and ruined our lives for a year? Uh, you couldn't just suck there. That was an important that was an important part of my career too. I knew I had him post up. And that year ended with back surgery. So that wasn't that didn't end real well. I was on I was on pace for for some really good numbers that year. Yeah, but- I know. It was annoying. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> it was very annoying. Yeah. You had to do well there. You couldn't just fall off a cliff. John so, Neese, on the other hand, yeah, not so much. And you were staying in his apartment, weren't you? Yeah, we, we we swapped. Yeah, but he <laughs> he wasn't allowed to stay with my parents. I told him that. <laughs> Damn, I was gonna ask. <laughs> you gotta get drunk. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I mean, like Tyler said too, first round draft pick. Um, I mean, they say hitting a baseball is probably the hardest thing in the world. I mean, I know you're obviously a baseball player, but would you agree that's pretty hard? Yeah, uh, I think ba- I think baseball is just one of these sports where it's very rare that you see, you know, you, you it's very rare to hear stories like, oh, yeah, I started playing baseball in high school and you make it to the highest level. For me, it's like it's kind of like hockey. If, if you don't if you don't have a really good foundation for hand eye hand eye skills and and hitting a baseball or hitting a softball or hitting a golf ball or hitting a, you know, being a hockey player, I feel like it's very difficult and not to take anything away from basketball. I think basketball players are probably, probably the best athletes in the world. Uh, and, and football players, the, the stuff they put their body through and as athletic as they are is incredible, but there's something so intricate about getting 500, 600 at bats in a season and, you know, hitting 280 is, is basically considered elite, especially nowadays. You think about getting on base less than, uh, or, or getting a base hit, you know, less than one out of three times, just a little bit more than one out of four times. It's 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 pretty incredible, and that's and that's in, in my opinion what's so interesting and so mentally mentally taxing and mentally uh, grind about baseball is you have you don't have a choice but to forget about the crap, forget about bad times, and focus on the good time. You 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 the, the good ones. The good players and the, and the guys that make long careers, they, they find a way to kind of compartmentalize the, the good, the bad, the in-between. And it's like the in-between and the, and the bad are, are, are out. Like they're out of, they're out of your mind. And, and some may call it stupid. Like sometimes the, the dumbest hitters, the, the dumbest hitters that I came across were, were like the best hitters. And that's not always the case. But like you'll talk to some guys sometimes and be like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean when you go to the batter's box? Like you're just thinking about – this and that it doesn't it, that that never I, I was always a hitter where I, when I got in the box I had to be very specific with what I was looking for and what I was trying to, to do 
Does the guy throw three pitches or four pitches? Can I, can I, subtra- can I take one of these pitches off in certain counts? Can I subtract one of these because I know he doesn't throw them in certain counts? But, you know, a lot of guys that were really good hitters were just like C-ball, hit-ball. What's this? So is how, this, this my senior year of, of baseball? So how come you couldn't out-hit a beat writer? <laughs> it's so hard. Jason Mackey, you got me, I man. Mean, I don't know. Seems like anyone could do it, you know, if, if a well, beat writer got- is as good as Neil Walker. First-round draft pick. Right. Fires legend. <laughs> I, actually, I actually did not know this. I did not know this. And I'm surprised that he didn't tell me this. I mean, we've had so many – Jason and I have had so many conversations. I'm really surprised that he didn't bring this up. Jason has told everybody but you. Okay. <laughs> well, the next time I see him, so. At least twice. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger here. But that has been posted on Twitter at least 20 times by now. I can't – I don't know. What is it? I, I can't believe that. That's incredible. <laughs> Just made Jason Mackey's day. I know, right? <laughs> Again, he's been waiting for this moment. <laughs> he's a good guy. Don't beat him up too bad. <laughs> oh man, he was just on last week. Yes, I saw him. He did a good job. I thought he, I thought he was gonna have. I thought he was gonna have, drop the gloves with, with Mac, and maybe he will the next time he sees him. But I think they'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna set that up. <laughs> If I see him going at it at some point, I'll make sure I, I, I tape it and, uh, and, and send it to you guys, all right? Sounds good. All right. Love it. Well, Neil, uh, and again, Tyler, anything else? No, I think we've taken enough of Neil's time. <laughs> yeah, we've wasted his night. <laughs> well, I enjoy talking to you guys, man. I, I always support you guys. I love what you do and stay in touch. We'd love to have you guys down to a game at some point, so keep me in the loop. If you ever get down there, you ever get back in town, uh, let me know, Anthony, and um, and we'll, I'll roll out the red card for you. We'll get you down to BP. We'll get you. We'll get you taken care of on me. Well, geez, all right. Well, well we're already been talking about this. That. This, yeah. What? Well, come on, Fort. Yeah. Wait. Did, hold on. Did Mac? Did Mac? I, I can't remember. Did Mac say he'd get you in the studio with him, or on? Uh, you know, what did, what did he? What did he promise you? He just. Uh, said, he just said we would live podcast at his house, or we would oh, yeah. to your house. <laughs> I'll take it a step farther, boys. Don't you worry. I'll take care. All right. Well, now we know who we're calling back on the show. <laughs> so we'll start at Fort's house and then go to the ballpark with Neil. Perfect. Okay. There All right. Pick you guys up. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, boys. All right, Neil. Well, thanks a lot once again. Yeah, Appreciate you. having on. And uh, everyone else, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Peace out, Scouts. Got it, boys. <laughs>